Say It With Guitars. I'm your host, Pete Cornelius. Each episode, I'll be digging deep and getting to hang with some of Australia's finest guitar pickers, songwriters, producers, collectors, and makers. I look forward to bringing you these fun conversations and I hope you enjoy Say It With Guitars. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us yet again, or perhaps it's your first time to the podcast. So yeah, welcome. Hope you enjoy the next hour and a bit of our chat with Nick Wolf from the Wolf Brothers, a very successful Tasmanian country rock band who have just released a new single. So yeah, check out what they're up to. Also, I've just announced a uh, mainland tour or a big island tour, as we're calling it this time, uh, for the summer months of late January and early February next year. So we're playing some great shows on the mainland. Uh, including the Threadbow Blues Festival. It's always a, a great time to hang out up there and see some great music in a great part of Australia. So, yeah, please check out PeteCornelius.com for more info on all the shows and hope to see you. Before we crack into today's show, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Mr Billy Tarrant from Tarrant Guitars. Billy's an amazing luthier and he makes some real sweet instruments. I'm lucky enough for him to have built me a double O-size acoustic guitar which I've dragged all around the country and it's sounding better than ever. So yeah, check out tarrantguitars.net.au. Tessie's one-stop custom workshop for custom-made guitars, all guitar repairs and services. Let's get into the show. I'd like to welcome to today's podcast for Say It With Guitars, Mr. Nick Wolf. Nick, how you doing? Man, I'm very good. Great to be with you here today. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks Excellent. for uh, inviting us into your little little booth of into studio. The lair. The lair. the lair. Yeah. Well, I haven't. It's not officially called the lair, but um, <laughs> that's the working working title. Yeah. yeah. No, we just moved out here recently and um, beyond, uh, you know, cutting up wood and burning things and clearing stuff out. This has been my other uh, little project that's getting this music room up and running. And yeah. I did choose the, uh, the worst sounding space in the, in the entire <laughs> house, which is a good, good call. So I uh, had a nice extreme flutter kind of reflection going on accompanied with like a, a four or five K ring oh, that it accumulated. Worst with, kind with of volume. ring. It was good. So I yeah. uh, made a few panels from the old uh, insulation bats and yep. uh, Kmart tablecloths and they've, they've come up all right and they seem to have done done wonders. So little, yeah, a little more to go but I think it's feeling pretty good. It definitely sounds good. As soon as you walk in the, into the space, it looks good, it sounds good. Um, definitely you could spend hours in here and, yeah. <laughs> you know, life could just buzz away outside. That's right. You can head down, bum up. We definitely intend on, uh, you know, this is our forever home, we hope. So um, yep. wanted to get it pretty good out of the out of the box. So nice one. I think we made a good start. Yeah. yeah. And um, definitely I think having a, a space you can not only make noise in, but somewhere you can do remote recordings, do some demos, or even like future recordings, like yeah. proper actual, you know, ones that make it to records. Have, have you done much of that? I've seen some bit, of your videos yeah. and things. Yeah, like, um, in our last place in uh, in Youngtown, I had a room there. It was just a back bedroom sort of thing, and um, I think I've got away with my previous rooms. I've never noticed I've been bad, um, but it wasn't until we came in here and I'm like, oh, this is literally. This is unworkable, you know. I think I've got away with 
lucky with, you know, what I've had in the room, like bookcases or, yes. or um, you know, like these sort of um, basket storage things and things like that that just yep. kind of soak couches and the like that soak up sound and, and I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah. I've never noticed it. But in hindsight, you know, had I probably treated those rooms, you know, probably would have come out a lot better. But then again, I was only ever really using uh, like SM7s. Yes. You know, that take out a lot of the room and you can get away with a lot with those. So That's the thing. I think as a, a consumer or even like a um, home bedroom recordist, dynamic mics are your best friend. Absolutely. Because they're going to be picking up what's in front of them and they're going to be rejecting, rejecting a lot of that stuff that happens around that you don't get the nuances of. Yeah. Um, and they're cheaper and you don't need phantom and... Yeah, they're definitely the SM Sure SM7V is definitely one you got to have in your your home recording arsenal for sure. Almost yeah. number one, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of the, the vocals and stuff on the last album, brothers' album, uh, Kids and Cassette, we did during COVID at in Youngtown in my untreated room with the SM7. For, yeah, you know, I don't have any preamps or anything like that. It was just straight into the wow the old thing. And, yeah, um, but that kind of gives you know the people that know what they're doing a bit more more options too because I'm sure it was later run through much better stuff. But That's uh, right. It's the same as um, grabbing guitar, like a DI guitar track. People can reamp things later, you know, like you can, everyone can capture a DI track so easily. Yeah. Having the ability to say then put it into a really nice amp in a really nice room, nice mics, nice preamps, you can still do that. So you can capture the essence and the um, inspiration, I guess, at home. Yep. You can always send it out and get it fluffed up later on. Um, yeah, God, what a world, man. We live so in. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. And, like, you know, a lot of the, the stuff we recorded on Kids and Cassette, I use this one behind me, which is just the Deluxe Reverb uh, Tone Master. Yeah. Which is direct out of the back. Fantastic. And I just think they're wonderful. You know? And you can pick that up with your little finger, right? They're, That's the so light. So light. So light. I haven't tried the twin, but I really want to. I reckon that would be yeah. Excellent and, and very <laughs> – you'd really notice the lightness then. Um, I haven't tried one, so maybe after we finish today I wouldn't mind plugging yeah. in very quickly and having a little yeah. sample because like, I like see like them. In the, in, the, in the flesh, okay, quite good, but I think the, the direct is where okay. they, they kind of shine, you know. So um, is it a direct output from your guitar to the interface or is it kind of go through its, it's, its modelling so and its – I believe they've modelled, you know, a really, really good couple of – um, of those amps. Okay. And then uh, rather than, you know, generally like the amp modelling thing is, you know, hundreds of different amps and pedals put into one package, they've just thrown everything, all the processing and stuff at just doing that amp really sure. well. And do they emulate the cab and uh, like a yeah, microphone which you can turn as well? Off. Um, I think it's just ca two cab options, I believe. Right. Um, or off. I okay. don't really know why. You, or maybe I suppose you could do another cab. But um yeah, I just I've just used option one, never sure. touched it. Yep, and it's just always been good. I've used it live, a fair bit, um, correct. Okay. Yep, and I guess the only thing I've noticed is you don't kind of get that uh, cool kind of feedbacky thing as easily. Yeah, uh, those kind of overtones and feedback between the guitar and the amp, and that you lose a little bit of vibe like that. Yes, that's one of the better ones though. Uh, I actually don't notice too much of that with with that amp. That's that's pretty good. I used I was using the Strymon Iridium for a while yeah. too on the Vox setting. Right. So that for those that don't know that one does that just does three things like a deluxe reverb, uh, AC30, and a Marshall. Yep. Um, and I just had it on the, the Vox, and but I definitely noticed it with 
with that pedal that you didn't get that because uh, I wasn't using a wedge or anything. Sure. Um, maybe if I was using a powered wedge with it, probably yep. would have helped. But um, I think because you can have the speaker on the deluxe reverb on or off. Right. So, like, it, it, such a good idea. Like, you know, if you're playing, I think of some of the Lee Kernigan shows we've done in the past and, you know, a theatre, for some reason, the oldest, grumpiest people are always <laughs> right in front of the guitarist. Yeah. You know, Perfect. that's just where they put them. And, uh, you know, so many complaints may have been avoided had we been able to just turn this cab off with the flick of a switch and yeah. get it out of their face. You know, we were on ears anyway. I was going to say, um, we'll probably get to that, but maybe we can get to that right now. Like, you guys are running in-ear systems. Yeah. Um, We've done was that by of, choice? Done a bit of that? everything. Um, yeah, so before kind of we started playing with Lee Kern again and, and got signed and all that stuff, we'd never – used in-ears or clicks or any of that thing. Yeah. Um, these days on the Wolf Brothers sort of show, I'm on ears uh, or always. That's kind of a non-negotiable now. Yeah. Um, just – and look, as far as guitar goes, it's I don't like it. I'd, I'd like to just hear the amp. Yeah. But I, it just comes down to what I value more um, and that that's kind of like hearing myself sing so I can sing in tune. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've just had so, so many nights over the years where I haven't been able to hear myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not an extravagant in-ear rig I use. It's just one of those uh, ones you charge out of the USB and, uh, it, you know, that's a kind of a – we don't use that all the time but if if that's nothing else available, that gets me through. Yep. You know? Yep. Uh, the other boys are on wedges usually. Just it's, it seems to be easier. Just because sure. we sort of – a lot of the time we don't have a guy with us. Sometimes we do. Yeah. Uh, but if we're rolling into some situation we don't know, it's kind of not that hard to say, okay, well, just give me an XLR and give me the click and my yep. vocals and my guitar and I'll be right. Yeah. Um, you know, but – yeah, we don't want to be having some guy we've never worked with set up mixes from scratch. and Yeah. Same with the wedges too. Like the boys pretty much only ever get their vocals in the wedges. And, yep. you know, that, that's that's a bit of – sounds pretty simple, but I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give anyone. You know, I see, you know, see people opening for us sometimes and having their sound checks and they're getting the whole band through a little wedge and, yeah. and then like, oh, I don't turn my vocals up. But well, <laughs> nah. yeah, There's nothing left. Doesn't work like that, mate. So yeah. you know, you gotta learn those things, I suppose. So um, yeah. I, I was running like my wedge for a while there. I, I was getting all the lows cut out of it to about three, four hundred. Yep. And like just getting it real nasty, like to the point where it would nearly take off. You know, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't sound pleasant, but I could hear it would cut through. Yep. Everybody, but you know, the ears I couldn't couldn't do it without the ears now. Yeah, just, sure. Just for vocals. Um. But and I've, I guess I've got used to the sound of the guitar through the years too. But at first, definitely, yeah, not a not a great, yeah. great vibe. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I think it's a payoff, and I, I guess with ears as well, you're also you've got some sort of attenuation on your ears, so you're actually protecting your ears, I suppose. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, slam I, mine, I slam mine pretty pretty bloody hard. Yeah, right. Just to get a vibe, you yeah. know. I, and I shouldn't. I, I know I shouldn't, but. Yeah, you know it's it, it's pretty hard to get amped up when you've got you know really quiet thin little tone True. coming in your ears, and you've probably got like you know a thousand people out the front making a good noise, and the PA the front yeah, and, and like, I'm in this like isolated world, yeah. quiet. Nah, I've got a like my mix. Typically, it's just like vocals is top thing, 
and that and I usually get a lot of spill, you know, through that of crowd, Absolutely. other boys, yeah, room ambience, whatever. Yeah, um, and my guitar I'll just sit around there, maybe slightly under, and then yep. I just um, I'm loving click tracks. Yeah, you know? right. So that's uh, that way. I, you know, I know the songs better than anyone that, yeah. that we do. Obviously, wrote them, yep. recorded them. Yep. Done a million times. Yep. So I honestly don't really even need to hear. If everyone else disappeared off the stage, <laughs> wouldn't affect me. Like yeah, I could right. still do the gig exactly yep. perfectly and wouldn't, wouldn't know, which is great because so many situations we go into where the mix your ne- mix is never going to be right. Like you rock up, the guys don't know what you do. Yeah, It's rare that you get a mix. And there's so many variables with so room. So many variables, yeah. Everyone's uh, emotional state, yeah. Whether your guitars have turned up or not, and that's what I love <laughs> um, with the click track with with the emotional state because everyone's running on a different level it's of like adrenaline, a stable. you know. Yeah. So the amount of times I would have, you know, turned around to Casey or Dave in the past and said, "Come on, speed up! What are you, what are you doing? You're lagging." Yeah. Wouldn't have been, most yeah. likely. Yeah. Um, you know, they were probably right in the on the pocket, but um, I th- I was probably just nervous. You know, yeah, uh, a bit hyped up or yep. you know charged up, and yeah. Um, when I I'd always see some video and stuff of gigs, I'm like, geez, we were playing that fast, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, the whole our whole gig now is click track. Interesting. Yeah. So is the click just there to keep the songs on track, or is there for about, backing about components? half and half? Yeah. So fifty percent, it's just to keep. Um, the tempo that we know is the pocket. Yeah, we all commit to it. Yeah, we're like, cool. There's no argument. There's no turning. The, yep. No one can turn around to anyone. If you're not yep. in time with this, you're wrong. Yeah, you know. Um, so there's that, and then the other, yeah, other fifty is is to use backing tracks. Like sure. And we don't go over the board with with backing tracks. It's just things like you know pads and weird synthy sounds and yep. anything weird that we can't you know just do, can't do easily. Live. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, soundscapey sort of stuff. Like, yeah. do, and do you have? How do you go with your set list? Like, if you are using um, tracks like that, do you have, say, um, little parts in between songs that sort of, or do you have? Yeah, sometimes we'll, stuff sometimes like we'll we'll put two two songs like or three songs together in a in a one kind of file, I suppose. Yeah, and then maybe we say, okay, we're doing that thing, and then we just hit the button on it, and then you treat it like one yep. song. Um, and we might there's a few things where we've made little instrumental interludes, you know, yep. to extend and Tom can, you know, get everyone hyped up and yep. scream and yell over that and <laughs> that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, it also I've, I've never felt more comfortable and, and enjoyed doing gigs as much as I have since we've been doing that, having the, the click track. Interesting. And I've, I've got a pretty slamming in my ears and yep. I mean, my thing is pretty obnoxious, like to have this talk, 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 yeah. you know, through your ears the entire gig, but you kind of just forget <clears> about it. Well, I guess you know you're in time if you forget about it. If you can't yeah. hear it, yep. you know that it's there, but you can't hear it, you know you're, it's, you're yeah, doing a good it job. It good, yeah. Because so many people talk about like if you can hear the click, it's like yep. you must be out of time. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Um, and, we, you know, we get it, we use like a just, it's, I think it's a cross stick sound Okay. Uh, for our click. Nothing worse than like a... Uh, obnoxious, oh, yeah. you know, synth, um, yeah. dung, dung, <laughs> like, you know, that. Yeah, yeah but, you don't want to pitch to it. You don't yeah. want it to get in the I'll way f- of a key. I'll or find a, the, yeah, I find the, a nice cross stick sound. It kind of stays out of the way of yeah, all your other stuff and feels musical, feels yeah. feels good to play against. And, you know, I'm sure some people say, oh, you know, bloody you know, 
shouldn't play the click tracks, you know, you've got to be able to do it yourself. And that, Yeah, for sure, but um, I don't know. It's just – it works for us. I, th- yeah. I think you can do a lot against a click track anyway, you know. You can play right on it. Yeah. Um, you can sort of – You can go behind pull it. Back on it. Yeah, yeah, you can do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, for the most part we just stay right on it because we know that's – what we did yep. and it worked and yeah and if that's how you record the tracks too like maybe maybe we could talk about that yeah. briefly now um so are you pulling up stuff from the album to to be as part of your backing track yeah or yeah are you yeah. recreating that or are you yeah you, no usually it's it's just stems from the uh we don't run like a very complex thing it's just one mono yep. uh, track where i just kind of do a mix of whatever we're using incomplete, you know, maybe there's a big, you know, gang vocal shout yep. thing or something like that. That'll be in the same track as the synth and cool. try and keep the percussion out of it. I find that doesn't really sit. Yeah. You know, if you're getting shakers and tambourines, it's hard for, again, if we roll into a, a show and the sound guy doesn't know and he's slamming this track, we, yep. we always say, look, the track is background, keep it right back, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we literally had a guy, one guy, like, yeah, mate, the the backing track, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just thick enough, you know, just keep it right down, out of the way. He's like, yeah, it sounds like it needs to be really up. I'm like, cool, yeah. So you really, you really meet some interesting sound guys <laughs> along the way. But uh, yeah, you got to keep them on your side. You sure do. But you also have to wonder, yeah, yeah, a lot of them survive. It, oh, I, I swear, <laughs> like, you know, sometimes we like, you know, a simple phone app could tell you what. Frequencies screaming its head off through this PA constantly, but yeah. okay, you know, yeah, so that's <laughs> fine. Oh well, it's only an hour out of your time. That's right. Yeah, yeah, hour of your life. Um, maybe hearing loss afterwards, but anyway, that's right. Yeah. Oh, some of the some of the feedback, you know, bursts that happen at sound checks when something a channel gets open. Like, yeah, I've never. Actually, the loudest thing I think I've ever heard was the other week. We're playing at uh, Melton in Victoria. Done the gig, great gig, and the um, we were you know taking a few photos, doing all that sort of stuff after the gig. And um, the the mixing desk was in the centre of the room, sort of thing. And anyway, all of a sudden, just this deafening feedback that seemed to it was so loud it seemed to occupy like all frequencies <laughs> you know like I couldn't even I don't even remember like what sound it was wow. it just it, it was so loud like people nearly like hit the floor yeah. it was that loud and anyway um some drunk woman had you know going oh put the tunes on just walked up to the desk oh and just started God. like pushing buttons oh. and somehow I think she somehow <laughs> managed to erase our our guy's file oh, as well what? So, wow. Yeah. I mean, you meet some wonderful people in music, <laughs> but you also definitely meet some 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 characters. Yeah. Oh, but you know, that's what it's all about. Ebbs mm-hmm. and flows, you know. Absolutely. You've got to have your highs with your lows. Totally. Go have some stories to tell. Absolutely. So, speaking of stories, you guys have had a flat out year or two. Um you've had a you know, you, you bought out the Kids on Cassette record um and planned to tour it. And then the whole, you know, yeah, yeah, itchy, sort of, itchy yeah, pretty throat much cough thing got around and um, yeah. wiped out everyone's calendars. And that's been, a, it's frustrating. Um, I feel you know we, we've been fortunate. We've been definitely back back into it, smashing it, hundreds, you know, hundreds of gigs. But 
so many gigs this last year and, and it feels really good. Um, I feel like we're building it back up again. But just the timing of that kind of COVID hitting really, really knocked the wind out of our sails. You know, we had some great things happening right on that moment. Um, we'd just signed to BMG in Australia and Broken Bow Records in Nashville. Yep. And... Um, and then Nashville uh, team was coming out to Australia for CMC Rocks. Uh, we were releasing the single No Breaks. Um, there was talk of like we're going to be on the Sydney Harbour Bridge on a yacht having a party, hey. you know, all this stuff. <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah. And anyway, uh, then COVID happened and uh, we weren't, we haven't been able to take really too much advantage of having that kind of deal with, with that mega record company. So, and the, but, I think the worst thing for me is we were hitting a real momentum touring. We'd just built the upper circuit around Australia, go into venues, you go there the first time, maybe there's 20 people. You go there the next time, maybe there's, you know, 70. Yeah. And it's just building it like that and slogging, slogging it out. And I think we were just starting to get those good numbers, you know. Um, and um, And then, yeah, kind of... No, no gigs, and then out of you know, out of you're not out there going back, out of sight, out of mind. It's uh, yeah, you got to maintain those touring circuits, you know. So, and um, had you guys not just financially invested, but you, you invest mentally, and you sort of you plan for that sort of stuff, right? So maybe maybe you've you've got a, a manager or a, or a tour agent, or you've you've sort of up to your game, right? So like with getting busier. You up your mm. um, people that you hire around you to your publicist or things like that. So all of a sudden you've got uh, I, I don't know the deal and I'm, I'm, I don't need to know the deal, but I mean, like, so you've got bills. Like you, you still got to yeah. pay for this future investment, but you're not actually getting to financially yeah. reap anything. Yeah. And how uh, did you did well, you guys like mentally oh, go okay with that, or did you like not really? I mean, we we just. Definitely struggled mentally and I think a lot of that was the lack of, um, you know, I didn't even see Tom for months because yep. I was up here in, in Launceston and he was down Hobart. Yeah. We couldn't even see each other for yep. months. That, that's the first time in our lives. Yeah. You know, let alone the, I guess, the tribal aspect of the boys, you know. Yeah. We, you know, go out, get in a van, go on a big adventure overcome some challenges every weekend of, you know, oh, we got a flat tyre or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and the bag's got lost or your guitar's not here or your amp broken. You, you get through whatever's this thing together. Yeah. And um, that that was just gone. I'm just sitting at home. Yep. And um, not to mention, yeah, thinking like, well, how are we going to live? Yeah. You know. Um, so, I mean, you know, thankfully I guess we had, you know, pretty good in some ways program in Australia with JobKeeper and all those sorts of things and yep. we were able to get a bit of help through there. But, you know, a lot of the contractors and things like that, um, you know, sound guys oh, yeah. uh, or, you know, caterers and things like that that go and do festivals and yeah. bad like luck. Staging, like dance staging. Light, lighting guys. Yeah, exactly. Audio you engineers. Know. And um, and those are all our friends. and Riggers. And it's just, yeah. just horrid. Yeah. So... Yep. Yeah, and then now, um, you know, in the, in the last couple of days, it's like we don't even have to isolate or do anything. Yeah. So, you know, pe- like the, the mental health strain on everyone. And, uh, you know, I, I actually sort of went and saw someone for the first time 
ever definitely brought out some things in me that yep. I didn't really know what they were. You know, I was waking yep. up, you know, feeling like someone had jumped out and scared you, you know, your heart, yeah, like, right. you know, yep. extreme sort of anxiety kind of thing. And, yep. But uh, so you learn. But um, You do. Yeah. And look, to be honest, for me personally, I think it was a great thing. Um, a, a lot of negatives come out of it. Yeah. But so many positives, I think for me, in a health perspective, mm. perspective, um, it was like a forced stop because yeah, you, you sort of start this this snowball effect, right? You sort of want to build your business up, you want to build your branding or your or your your playing or your networking. You just want to like get better at everything. So all of a sudden, to force that to stop and then to like reevaluate what is important in your life, that was so good to me. Like I know that. I could see my I, I, I see my family a lot. Like I'd, I've been stay home dad for like ten yeah. years, so I've hung out with my kids like every day of my life pretty much. Yeah. Um, but to just spend that proper like mm. all day every day with your family and um, as soon as things got a bit eased up, you know, you can go and see your your brother or your sister and or your parents or you know like that, that sort of stuff. So it's sort of to me. Um, it was great. Like music was so – it really is important to me. It's it's like – it's it's my life. Mm. <laughs> but it, it also made me realise that there are a lot of things that are associated with music that can just like bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, blessing and a curse, eh? Hey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wish, you know, I'd, I mean we, we were as pro- productive as we could be. We, we finished off Kids and Cassette, got that out, um, you know, a lot of remote – Stuff and and you guys live streamed a lot too, right? That was really cool too. Yep. That was a good thing, and it, like people still, you know, every gig basically like, oh, when are you going to do the live thing? And we'll we're like, oh, well, we'd love to. It was great, but you know, we're out here with you now. That's and, right. Um, you know, the the couple of days we have at home every week, we kind of just like to, yeah, you know, chill out and not have to um, do that. But I think we will bring that back in some capacity at some yeah. stage, but. But that was really cool to be able to kind of still connect with everyone and, yep. um, you know, we had a, we had a lot of cool guests come on that little live stream we had going, you know. Uh, Jack Jones was a hero yep. of Tom and I um, who ended up through that playing on downtime on the album. Wow. And um, that was like I still can't believe that happened, you know. Yep. Uh, the guys from Low Cash, they were on there. Um, oh, who else do we have? Ross Wilson. Cool. Yeah, all these sort of heroes, like, like, yeah. like this is awesome. And we had uh, the singer from Warrant. Oh, really? Uh, who, you know, I'm a bit of a hair metal fan, <laughs> you know, so that was a that was a big big one for me. I did notice a Warrant uh, yeah, post on the piano there. Uh, a little sign Warrant uh, black yeah. and white photo here. <laughs> that, uh, just to, you know, just to remind me that yeah. that's part of my part of my heritage. Part of your DNA. Yeah. Actually, my favourite guitarist, uh, one of my favourite guitarists, uh, is the guy that played on all the Warrant stuff, and I, his name escapes me because he's not actually in Warrant. Oh right, yeah. he's the session guy who played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's, there was sort of some yeah ambiguity uh, about what he played, and but you can hear he, who he is because right. I remember uh, I heard the Angry Anderson song uh, "Bound for Glory." We were yep. doing a couple of shows with Angry, so I had to learn it. And then Solo came on. I'm like, oh, that's sounds like Warrant. Yeah, you know, and then looked into it and was that guy, ah. and uh, yeah, so he was sort of a guy, a bit of a hired gun that uh, got around LA back in the day, and uh, you know they busted him out when the 
when they weren't too happy with what was going down in the studio <laughs> and but made some very memorable melodic because a lot of that stuff in the hair metal like it's just horrendous you know yeah just but, throw away bloody yeah but track. I think Warren like it. Warren get a bad name because of Cherry Pie but a lot of their other stuff's really killer for that sort of yeah. thing and yeah. um you know really good songs and and really memorable singable solos and yeah yeah we got yeah, to yeah. actually see them uh last time we were in Nashville we drove down to uh Chattanooga right. playing down there and um you know, we met, got we sort of pulled the card like, oh, there's a band here from Australia <laughs> and they love you guys and we'd love to meet you. And yeah, yeah went backstage and met oh, him. Wow. It was just one of the best nights of my life. That's Amazing. fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. That sort of stuff that goes with you forever, hey, like just oh, those little, little memories. So cool. And because, you know, you sort of forget about that's sort of what I was into, you know, grade 10, grade 11 kind of thing, right? fully into hair metal. Like we just loved yep. it. Me and Brody, we had a band, um, 5150. Right. And, you know, I think at the, you know, did the rock challenge and we're doing, you yep. know, harmonised solos and yep. wearing eyeliner and all that, sort of, <laughs> all that sort of stuff and just loved it, you know. That's wicked. Um, so it really, you know, when I walked into that room, saw Warrant, you know, with the massive banners and, and just like, wow. Yep, yeah, how good is this? You know, I was just transported back to, you know, the fruit pickers' huts at mum and dad's place, um, jamming with all my mates and Brode and Tom yep. and everyone playing Warrant and Poison and all that yeah, stuff back in high school. And it's good. Uh, that's at the moment, I'm sort of like I haven't heard anything for, for a while. I haven't haven't tried too hard to find, but I'm waiting for the next kind of my next fad. Sure, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I get into something, I really get into it, and I like to, you know, go go through the entire discography, and you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't had an artist that I've <laughs> discovered for a while. It's all been a bit yeah, like, right. oh yeah, and that's yeah. when I'm fine. I write a lot of songs if I really get into like something new. That'll that'll kind of really inspire me to write more. But um, yeah, yeah, maybe we could could we talk a bit about your um, history with playing with with your brother Tom and yeah. and Brody and maybe um so I, I had a little look on the old wiki page yesterday yep. four generations of musicians mm. so your great grandfather was he a fiddle player that's right um yeah so four generations of uh, farmers and musicians so we great George yeah great grandfather George Wolf he was a fiddle player yeah i believe long passed away before we were around um, and then his son, Ernest Wolf, he was a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Sax was his main thing. Okay. Uh, but he played a bit of everything. Um, did sort of vaudeville style, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, comedy, bit of comedy, bit of, you know, a few popular tunes of the day. He was a bit of an entrepreneur, I think. He yeah. had a school bus run, so he would take, you know, pick everyone up, take them to the local dance, you know, play with the Wolf Family Orchestra. Drop them, charge them all. I think he's selling a bit of homemade grog too, you know, along the way. Um, and then uh, drop him home. So he was really, he wow. did pretty well, I think, out of that. But yeah. uh, And then dad, uh, dad was a drummer around Tassie for his entire life. Um, he was in a band called Midnight Revival. They had a couple of original things early days, but mainly known as a, as a cover band. Yep. Um, and then I guess I probably wanted to play drums first off because Dad played drums and yep. you know they're cool when you, you hit them. You hit them and it's awesome. Uh, primitive and Dad, tribal vibes. Dad's like, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, you're not playing drums. <laughs> no, nah, you got to be out the front. You got to be out the front. And uh, he said that to Tom as well. Uh, so yeah, we we ended up on bass and guitar and 
right. a bit of piano here and there. But, um, cool. Yeah, so... And did you guys play with your dad? Like, did he sort of yeah, do some... Yeah, we did a little bit, yeah. So I played with dad for a couple of years uh, whilst I was in high school, I think, maybe grade 9, 10-ish. Yep. Uh, and it was it was kind of weird because it was pretty old stuff yep. they, were, they were playing a lot of the time. It was awesome, very treasured treasured memories and learn a lot just about what it's like to just go and do a lot of gigs, yep. you know. So I think I'd sort of, and I think I realised then, you know, you, I was really into guitar then too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was probably practising. One stage I was trying to do a thing where I'd learn like classical for an hour and then wow. do the like um, Tommy Emanuel video steel string yeah. for an hour and then yeah. like something Vi, you know, some Vi weird thing for an hour on electric and, yep. you know, all that stuff. You know, I was right into it. And then I think I would – that's probably the first time I'd realise, like, yeah, you do all that stuff in the bedroom and then you get out on the stage and then what sticks is, uh, you know, only yep. about 20% of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then I, I ended up going to the con um, – and doing uh, Bachelor of Music and Bachelor of Teaching. Yeah, right. Hated the – I was teaching a bit of guitar at the Hobart College of Music and I kind of – I got a bit all burnt out on it, Yeah, uh, you know, teaching and then going and learning how to teach and kind of dropped out and then, I, yeah, went and worked on a farm for a few years and then I went back and did it a bit more and then the our band, as we know it today, kind of took off and I've got one unit to go for my degree, which is um, musical performance. Yeah, right. <laughs> Keep at it, son. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm hoping one day they might, you know, give me a sign-off or something. Yeah, they'll go, uh, oh, yeah, he's done a few gigs. Yeah, I, I hope so. But uh, I'd love to have that I'd love to have that bit of paper, you know. It'd be, yeah. be a good good accomplishment. You know, so I remember, you know, sitting through the, the classical theory, uh, you know, things and definitely learned a, a bunch out of it. Yep. You know. I guess um, it's the kind of stuff you don't really think about until later. Yeah. Oh wow, that's been really beneficial. I've, I've learnt such and such from that. Yeah. At the time, it's like, oh, what am I doing this? Crap oh, for? look, a lot of the you know the things like the audio classes, and that, I think that was at that time they were pretty new, like as part of the degree. Yeah. You know, and Stuart Long and Tony Sayer and um, like I loved that so much, and you know, there's things that they taught me. You know that yep. that I still use all the time. You know. Uh, loved all that, you know, uh, yep. and even, but even like the, you know, I don't really play any jazz anymore. I think that was my thing. I, I wasn't prepared for how jazz yep. it was going to be. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I was just going to get through by playing slash licks and stuff. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but um, yeah. So, and everyone seemed like they already knew jazz, right? Uh, and I'm like, autumn leaves. What? What? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. You know, so I was sort of just a bit of a fish out of water. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'd love to love to knock that degree over one day. It'd be really cool. Yeah. So there we go. But so, yeah, so, so did you and Tom play as brothers, or did yeah, you kind of like so, take separate paths as kids? Or well, um, yeah, so we had different things. Like Brody and I had a band, um, Fifty One Fifty, playing hair metal and stuff yep. in college. Tom and Casey, they. You know, they would get together. Casey lived on Wolf's Road, um, you know, just up the road. So yep. they would get together and, you know, play a lot of Metallica in those days. That yep. was kind of the thing. Yeah. Um, and then kind of as as we kind of got older, Keith Urban was really happening, like the Golden Road album and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We are like, oh, wow, 
you know, this country stuff's actually pretty good. Yeah. Because early, early days, mum was very into country. James Bundle, Lee Kernigan, like, uh, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus, the early 90s, Garth Brooks, when it was really, okay. really commercially yes. big. You know, you'd hear it on mainstream radio in Australia. Yeah. Um, and I mean, my first concert was James Bundle. Yeah, so right. I think that kind of got into the DNA somehow, you know, and yep. eventually it's like, yeah, actually, yeah, countries, you know, maybe, maybe metal isn't, you know, everything. Yeah. You know, maybe yep. there are other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've always been pretty, open, you know, pretty open. We've always like played a bit of blues. I've had, we've had great, we're lucky to have great teachers at yes. Kingston High, yep. like Lee Crombie. Yep. Oh, God, you know. Um, Matt Collis used to teach me for a while um, and just awesome. Jason Patmore was my first teacher. He was, you know, a guy who played around Hobart for many years and just been very, very lucky to have such great teachers that, yep. you know, um, put me onto the right things. You know, they'd lend me Stevie Ray CDs or Hendrix things and, yeah. you know, filled in a lot of gaps that <coughs> mum and dad wouldn't, you know. Cool. I'd be like, oh, what's, you know, you listen to Hendrix today? So, oh, no, no. Yeah. Too, too bloody weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, really, really lucky to have those guys along the way. Yeah. Um, Definitely great pillar stones in, in people's early careers is just that influence from mentors yeah. or someone who can show you an artist that, yeah, like you said, you wouldn't have heard at home. Maybe your friends haven't heard them. It's not about listening to everything either. It's just showing you things that are, probably will be really beneficial if you're going to play guitar. Yeah. Check this out. Yeah, check that out. You have to like it. Just listen to it and go ah. And you right. know, and I, I just, I guess, I just would have thought, and they are, but I just would have thought they were the coolest guys. You know, yeah, teaching people guitar. Like, I, I just <laughs> thought it was so cool. Yeah, you know, great players and yeah, um, Jeremy Matcham. He was another teacher. You know, and he, I remember one day walked down into the music block at Kingston High, and he's got the PA going. He's got like an Ibanez gem. Right. And he's playing along to a backing track of like some Satriani thing. Right. And we were just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, just thought that was like, he was God, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, really, really cool. The gem. Wow. I was listening to a podcast on the way here today about iconic guitars and that, that was pointed out as being one of the most iconic guitars, especially that sort of. Must have been what early nineties they come out. Yeah, yeah. With that, that handle, the handle. In them? Yeah, yep. at some, I've and always wanted in one. Inlay on the fretboard. I've always wanted one. And the closest right. I've got is that uh, Charvel over there, um, which I just bought, you know, a couple of years ago, just so I could do a bit of, <laughs> a bit of shredding. You know, if ever yeah. the, the the vibe got yeah. me, you know, For hair metal. I, I, I barely ever ever touch it, but um, that's pretty nice. It's got the gold hardware, white. Yeah, you know, it's like a twenty-four fret. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that that doesn't get much much of a run, <laughs> but it, you know, it's uh, it's just a bit of. That's if I ever want to play a bit of warrant and yep. and do all that stuff. So it's good to have tools in your arsenal that inspire certain ways of playing. Because absolutely, you yeah. know, you can do a lot on a Strat or a Tele, but to be able to pick that up straight away, you can play that stuff. Much For me, easier. and I don't know whether it's, I guess it's a combo of everything, but it's definitely the. The uh, this sounds really lame, but I, I think it's how you think you look and sound holding a certain style of guitar. Sure. Like I mean, anyone who gets a strat, you know, you, you grab a strat, 
Yeah. And you play those sort of Hendrixy, and they are Hendrixy, but you know, May John Mayer things. Yeah. Yep. That's what you do on a strat. Yeah. It just feels right. Yeah. The sounds there. You stick it on the neck yeah. pickup or the in between. Yeah. Bang! You've got the wind cries, Mary. There. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then like you know, Telly's, they just twang. Yeah. Straight away, and like oh, yeah, this. This country straight out of the box, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I haven't dabbled too much into the Les Paul world. I had, you know, I had an Epiphone one for a while there, but that, that again, that would make you think you were slashed for an hour. <laughs> you know, I, I saw a video of you guys within a Les Paul. Um, oh, really? Must be like a pretty old video. Oh, I think yeah, you had like yeah. a sunburst, yeah. Les Paul. Yeah, that's was um, that just a, a one for the shoot. Or? Yeah, well, it's actually <laughs> it was actually one of our neighbours um, that. Yeah, I was like, oh, it'd be cool. Can I borrow your guitar, John? He's like, yeah, it's just under the bed. Yeah. I'll never use it. So, yeah, yeah, they're not mine. That's a not really right. nice guitar, that one. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard you on a Les no. Paul, but I could, I could sort of see it working in a, in, in a certain yeah. way, you know? Like, yeah. Um, if Brody's is a, is a Strat guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm typically a Strat guy. Um, but then I've sort of gone the, the Gretches too. That was kind of a world I went down. Yep. And it's a it's always a it can be a challenging world, but a, it's a rewarding world when yeah. when they when they're singing right, you know. Yeah, they're a labour of love. Yeah, they've definitely got a huge appeal. Um, they look fantastic, you know. They look they're incredible. Are, they're beautiful, you know. Yeah. And every photo, you know, it's a very photo driven world these days. You know, every photo you get back, <laughs> you're like, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my my favourite guitar is that one, uh, which is just a blue Mexican Strat. Got it in in college. Tell us about that one, mate. Uh, so that was uh, I, now I did trade one that I wish I still had. I traded a Japanese Squire. Okay, it's Solders. So, uh, no, Solders. No. I think it was a McCann's one, oh, yeah. actually. No. Yeah. No, I never. I never did a trade at Solders. <laughs> I nearly bought a Kramer, and Dad's like, "Oh no, no, yeah, buy it from there." Right. <laughs> Blacklisted. So, um, yeah, uh, that was close, but uh, no, um, yeah. So that's just been my kind of number one. You know, from uh, it's uh, the unfortunate thing. It's like a blue. But it it's from is it a that, burst? It kind of looks like it's slightly darker on the edges, or is I that think just, that's just how it is? Um, but I wish it, you know, obviously the pick guard's gone all brown, and yeah. and that's looking cool, and the frets are looking pretty worn, and it's got a few dings and stuff. But it just they just don't age cool now, <laughs> you know, like whatever they did to the paint. I don't know what they did, but I wish it, you know, wish it had like a big rub mark where because yep. I've put. So, so, so many hours on that guitar. I wouldn't yes. even want to know how many hours I've, yeah. I've played that for and, and stuff, you know. And I sort of – I still take that out most most of the time but – You're you right know. though. It, the change in paint technology, like going, I guess, from nitro to a two-pack or or just a different sort of style yeah. of paint, that clear coat is just so bulletproof. Yeah. You I think, mean, that that's, that's what um, – Jeez, I mean, it'd be twenty years old. Yep, I suppose. Yeah, and it still shines. Like it looks like, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you cleaned it up, it'd, yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> that's not what I want. I'm yeah. Get, you know, I want it to. I want it to show the the hours that have gone well, and, the, sh- and the miles it's done because it's yeah. done so many miles. That's right. You want to yeah. wear it on your shoulder, and you you know, and it needs to age with you as well. Like you know, like yeah. we all age gracefully, and your guitar should too. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so you know, I haven't got any like. Uh, and you know what? I don't really have any like real, real what you know you would call good 
high quality guitars. I think I've, you know I've got a me- an American Tele there. Yeah. But most of my stuffs Mexicans and and Korean. Yep. You know, um, but a lot of that's been just well, we're out every week. They're getting thrown in and out of planes. They're getting thrown in and out of vans. They're hot. They're cold. Yeah. Like, touch wood. You know, I've never had one smashed, but yep. they, you take your life in your hands every time you go to the airport. Yeah. You know, like, <clears throat> horrendous. You see them throw them. Like, I don't know why. Oh, God, they, I hate looking out those windows. Oh, they, they throw them, you know, like. Yep. So I literally saw one time a guy, like I was sitting near the belt where it was going into the plane and here comes we're like, all looking out the window, like, here we go. And he looked at the the tour you know, plaque thing that was on the guitar and he's like, yeah, Lee Kernigan, beautiful noise to it. Yeah. And literally just like dumped it into the thing. Was like, obviously not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of it, you know, I try and keep it pretty simple and, you know, if it did get broken or stolen or something, wouldn't be the yep. end of the world. I'd hate to lose that blue one. Yeah. You know, that'd be, that'd be a nightmare. It's definitely... It's a risky business. I know that it's it's a catch-22, right? Like you have a nice, beautiful instrument. It's probably worth lots of money. It probably plays great, sounds great. But you can get too scared to use them like, yeah. because it's like, oh, this thing's going to break. It's going to get stolen. Or oh, there's so many risks oh, that mate. go Like some of the that. gigs, like we do, we've done a lot of BNS balls, Um over the years, and for those who don't know what they are, they, they started out in the olden days as uh, ways for like country people to you know get together and meet uh, potential partners. You know, yeah. and it was very formal, black yeah. tie, that sort of thing. Um, and over the years, uh, that's progressed into just the most raucous yeah. thing like of all time. Still black tie, <laughs> but people take food dye and throw it at each other, and yeah, um, it's just like hard drinking. You know, utes with fire, you know, coming out of the exhausts and, like, <laughs> I've seen things, you know, at these events that, like... Oh, yeah, probably yeah, stories you never want like, to... Like, yeah, think about... War crimes sort of thing, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> real, real, yeah. real wild stuff. Um, but, you know, like, we've got to go and play these things. Yeah. You know, imagine rocking up with, like, a, you know, a drum kit with, like, a, a an unfinished wood grain or something. Like, like oh, see yeah. you later. You know, we're just yeah. covered in food dye. Like, yeah. like for Like, every time we do one, you know, for months we'll play and, you know, start sweating a bit and then there'll be, oh, where's this green and blue, <laughs> like, fluid coming from, you know? And it just, you know, comes out, it seeps into the into the guitars and yeah. comes out when things get a bit heated up, so. That's classic. And then pedals, you know, I, I, I keep... For years, I've just kept my pedals really as simple as I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, I'm using a thing uh, built by Laurie Minson, who uh, played with Slim Dusty, played with uh, Lee Kernigan for many years. Great harp player as well. Um, he, he's been on a lot of things, you know, a lot of Jimmy Barnes stuff as well. Yeah. I thought Play he was steel the, too, right? I thought he was the guy that played the start of Driving Wheels. Right. Um, on lap steel, but uh, but no. Right, he, he confirmed that it wasn't him <laughs> recently, but he does. He did that live for a long time. I'm, I'm told. So, um, but he builds pedals as well. So, yep. 
Uh, he's built uh, a multi effects kind of um, line, and it's the I like mince. how he named everything like yeah, like Australian yeah, things. Australian yeah. animals and things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the one I use is called an M8 mate, um, and it's a uh, two well compressor, and that's just on off. Right. Um, all the pedals you can take the bottom off the unit and little dip switch, uh, yeah, like sort of screwdriver them and yeah. and dial them in where you want. But this is what I love about it. Normal mode is you just have one knob for each pedal. Great. And the amount of stress and stuff that alleviates just committing that, right, I've got one knob. (laughs) They're big. You can move them with your foot. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's what it is and we're doing the gig, you know, not going to piss fart around and and tap dancing. Yeah. Or micromanage knob placements. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's a basically compressor into a like an overdrive tube screamery type yep. thing called the I want to say the Dingo maybe, and then into a more uh, more aggressive one. Yeah, I think that's called the Dingo. I can't remember what the other one's called. Right. Uh, then what do we got? The Wobby Gong, uh, which is like a uni vibe. Oh yeah, type thing. Don't don't. Don't really use that one too much. <laughs> I, I would love personally if you made that slot a an old phaser, like okay. an old Wayland Jennings. Script 90s sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know. Yep. Like that would, be, totally. that would be awesome. And then you've got your two knobs for delay, uh, feedback and mix. You've got a tap tempo down the end. Like a tremolo or anything? Tremolo. It? Sorry, yep. yeah, I missed tremolo. Yeah. Yep. Um, tremolo, yeah, that's pretty good. Again, you can get in and adjust how aggressive it is and stuff, but the yep. the – uh, the main knobs just speed. Perfect. Um, and then the cool thing at the end is it's a boost. Um, so if you have it at 12 o'clock, it's doing nothing. Right. If you have it on at um, at below 12 o'clock, let's say 10 o'clock, something like that, uh, and this is he, how he recommends you use it. You have so what you, the volume you're getting by putting your drives on stuff. If you have your boost on, but it's at ten o'clock, yep. it's actually lowering the volume to match where the amp was to start with. Right. So then, when you do a solo, you take that off. It's like a reverse boost. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And um, that's that's pretty cool. But I usually end oh, up it's more. I end up more. <laughs> <laughs> usually end up by the end of the year just it's yeah. smashed around to like you know max. Yeah. So. Um, Twelve, yeah. So that, that's about how that goes. But good in good in theory. Yeah. But, uh, but the thing I like about that pedal is it's really for for multi effects. They're they're real quality. They're sounds. all analog, right? It's just yeah. analog. It's one power. Yep. You're not yep. trying to get like pristine power or isolated power to do all these different pedals. No. It's like in out. So simple on the road. Let's do the gear and indestructible. You, I can you could run over it. Yep. And it'll be fine. Actually, and he did tell me some one was in a house fire recently, <laughs> right. and um, the knobs are melted, but it still went sweet. Well, how good's that? That's fantastic. Yeah, you know, like so. I mean, yeah, you're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna bust it. Yeah, you know, someone steps, someone's dancing and steps yeah, it on, it on it or it something. Yeah, feels a pint you're going to be right. Sweet. Yeah. And where does he sell them? Just through his website or his I think Facebook? so, yeah. Yeah, yep. just Facebook and, and, and all They that seem stuff. to be pretty popular in that country community. Like, I don't yeah. think he's branched out too much. I know that I, I have seen other blues guitar players play them. Yeah. But mainly for that convenience factor. It's like I'm going to fly to a fly gig. Yeah. It's going to fit him a gig bag or it's going to fit him an overhead, no worries. Exactly. Um, 
Whereas, yeah, when you get dealing with individual pedals and stuff, it gets oh, yeah. a uh, I Actually, I, I saw you when we did the Festival of Voices show, you had a, another pedal there. You had a, another digital style. Yeah, I thought, amp, I, I thought I'd bust rig. that one out. Yeah, Tell that me about was that. A, um, that was a Moor red truck. Right. And uh, the reason I busted that out is we had uh, we were doing a song uh, – by Devils in Heaven, who are like a Tasmanian uh, hair metal band yeah. uh, from back in the day. So I thought I needed a little bit more, a uh, little bit more gain, and sure. a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more metal under, yeah. the, under the hood for that one. <laughs> and didn't the, the old uh, lorry pedal didn't quite get me there. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that was really, I used that for a lot of years though too. Like you know, not not for heavy stuff, but for um, that's that's the the cool thing about that one is you can set up. A similar thing, uh, I think it's that one's got a boost, a drive, a distortion, um, and then it's got phaser, chorus, um, flanger, that sort right. of stuff, delay, right. reverb. You can either use it as you, you use them like as if they were stomp boxes on, on the thing. Yep. Or you can set your scenes. Gotcha. Which is, I love that. Yep. Because I could just have, make my delay, my solo, you know, drive, and and whatever compressor yep. all come on with one yes. one tap. Yep. And when you're singing, yep, that's what you want. Yeah. I um had a podcast interview with the Luca Brasi boys, and they're doing the same thing. They're all using helixes. Yeah. With in ears, and <clears throat> they just queue it up to their set list. They pre-program it. Next song, bang! They've pressed that one button. That's they've unreal. Got yeah. all their tones ready for that song. So things like that. If you're singing, the convenience is insane because you don't have to think about placement. Uh, um, it's, it's hard. You know, you're singing, you're trying to look cool, you yeah. know, and then you've got to like somehow sing, look cool, and then turn on three pedals as the solo starts and you're still singing. That's that's hard. Like That's, yep. that's yep. actually hard, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, you know guys like Keith Urban, the tech does the, these scene changes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're a long way from that level. <laughs> um, and you're using an acoustic guitar a lot live too, right? So yeah, I haven't been lately, but um, we I, I have, yeah. Uh, How do you integrate that? I know you've got one of those um, LR bags. Is it M1? Yeah. Pick up um, in your Fender? I think that's what it is, yeah. And I reckon they would make just about any acoustic guitar sound amazing, those things. Great. Do you blend it with the onboard p- no. Um, no. All, pickup? No, all, all that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, and just go straight to the board, like through a DI? Or yeah, I was using the Fishman Platinum EQ DI thing for a while, which yeah. is a really cool pedal. I think yeah. it got destroyed right. at a rodeo or something. Yeah. It pissed down with rain and, um, yeah, it never was the same. I think it still goes, but it's not. I can't rely on it. Not what it used to be. But actually that pulled a really good bass sound one night. It does bass as well. It's just a flick of a switch. It must kind of change an oh, EQ right. curve somewhere. Sure. And um, Tom's amp died and I was playing electric. I'm like, oh, plug into that. Yeah. And he just plugged in and like it just instantly. It was like just through the PA, through sure. the thing and like everyone's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So they were a good pedal. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I was using the uh, Acoustic Sonic for a while there too. Uh, but I've kind of gone back to just playing electric for now. I didn't mind the acoustic I guess sonic. ideally they're the best of both worlds in yeah. theory, right? Like because they've got like I never use it. Style I never use it for as an electric. I still I still have my okay. Amp. What it was exceptional for though um, was not being uh, an absolute pain in the ass with feedback. Yeah, 
like our, like it just made life so easy. Yeah. And you know they didn't really have to EQ it or yep. do anything. You just plug it in because it's a modelled yes acoustic sound. Yeah. You plug it in, it sounds good. Yep. Um, which is really cool. Whereas, and I guess you know, half the time with acoustics, you know, it's wedges and oh, oh, just a nightmare. Yep. Like, I've never had really a good experience with acoustic and wedges. Especially if you're playing with a loud rock band that's with a big thing. stage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they just – Yeah, as soon as the volume goes it's up, environment. That's, that's game over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even with in-ears, it's – yeah, it's tough work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The in-ears make it a lot better but still things build up and – it's usually Thomas Bay. I know that red acoustic I was using, the Fender one, uh, I can't remember what they're called, the, with the Strat headstock acoustic. Is it something like the Coronado? Um, ah, uh, that's very close. Um, Coronado because they made the thing in the It's 60s. very close. It's a Redondo, Redondo, I believe. Uh, like yeah, a Californian beach or something Redondo like. classic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would really start to scream around a... A G, like a low G, and yep. as soon as Tom would play anything around there, it would just latch on to that and just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't a G. But, yeah, but, um, I'll go with that. Yeah. That's a nice G. <laughs> so you guys have put out a few records before. So you guys put out an EP before you went on the um, yeah. Australian Got Talent show? Did, like, yeah. So the sort of first lineup of Wolf Brothers as a band was Tom, me, uh, Brody also on guitar and Casey Kostiuk on drums and, you know, we all went to school together, lived locally. And um, we sort of – we actually started with another guy singing, Tom Coulson, um, and then sort of Tom, uh, you know, had a bit of a break for a while there and we, we kind of pushed on. But we were mainly a cover band. Right. Um, you know, we'd just play well, – I remember one of our goals was like, oh, if we get a gig at Irish Murphy's Hobart, you know. Yeah. We've made it, you know. Yeah. So um, we did that and then uh, we did something else. And, but then we thought – and then we were getting more and more into country, you know, and then we started writing our own songs and they were coming out country, yep. you know. I mean, yep. we're country boys, you know, so yep. makes kind of makes sense, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, then we thought, well, let's record a little EP. So we did it at Casey's house with Tony Sayer. Cool. Uh, and he brought uh, – it's either – I think it – I don't know if it's a clone or an actual matchless, but it sounded bloody yep. amazing. And I think yep. I was using a squire that yep. I'd put some different pickups in. I still love the love the sound on that one. Really, really cool. Um, yeah, so then we did that. And then we did another one. Then Australia's Got Talent happened, mm-hmm. um, and which, you know, reluctantly for us. We, none of us wanted to go on it. You know, yeah. We were just like, no. Nah. So how did that come about? Do you guys just like? Well, you know, since we started doing the EP, we were looking to get more and more trying to get gigs and festivals and stuff on the mainland and, and different things and we just couldn't get arrested, you know, like, yeah. you know, like well, why are we going to pay a band for, to come up from Tassie like when we've got, yep. you know, all these other bands that do this all the time up here. So it was hard, a bit of a hard slog. So we kind of had working with a manager at the time uh, who was in Sydney and she said, oh, well, they Australia's Got Talent reached out. I think they go into a, an area and yep. then they're like, oh, we hear you guys, you know, got a bit of, hype around you or whatever and would you like to audition oh no, no. we don't want to do that yeah, sort of good, thing yeah and then yeah she our manager convinced us well like, oh well you know do it and you know who knows you might just help me book you some stuff on the mainland and, yeah um but look they're actually really really good to us and you know a lot of those shows can just be a karaoke contest 
Yeah. You know, they let us play almost all original songs. Yep. On national, you yep. know, primetime telly. Yep. And those those shows sort of had a bit more sting back in that in those yeah. times too, you know. Yeah. I feel like they've kind of lost their Was this 2012? Yeah, yep. 2012. So, um, you know, uh, I think we they made us do one cover. Yep. But that was something we were playing all, all the time anyway, Sabre Horse, Ride a Cowboy, and we yep. snuck in a little Pantera Cowboy from Hellvik into it there. And, you know, that was, that was nice too because then you get the guys like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, look, he's done, he's done yeah. Pantera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but through that we ended up coming uh, runners-up. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that kind of got assigned to our management, Steve White, who, um, you know, thank God for Steve and Brogan and that, that team that have kept us Rolling and, and you're still with those guys yeah. to this day. Yeah, yep. fantastic. Uh, and then Steve also manages Lee Kernigan. So Lee sort of saw us on the show and right. he was looking for a, a band at the time too and it all kind of worked out and yep. Steve's like, well, let's put this tour together. You guys be the band. You open the show, do yep. your own stuff, yep. have a break, come back on, play Lee's stuff. And we are playing half of Lee's stuff at rodeos and that anyway. Yep. But when that opportunity came out, we had to do like an audition and we just like went into like the most intense rehearsal yeah. lockdown like ever. And we were just like religious. Like we're like, we are doing this. Yeah. You know, and we just locked ourselves in Casey's room for days and learnt every single thing that might come up in a lease set. Yeah. And we, we were, it's like we were prepping for like, like a title fight or something. Yeah, it was it was wicked. You know, we were just smashing it, and we you know yep. got it all down, and then we flew to Sydney. We'd never really been to Sydney at that point, and uh, you know we're like, oh wow, this is really full on. Got, boat picked us up at the airport, and yeah. in a van, and took us to the rehearsal thing out at Marrickville there, and yeah. we set up, and you know, oh yeah, yeah, we started running a few things, and then we're like, oh. Lee must be coming soon, you know. We hadn't met Steve, so Steve's managing us at this point. Haven't met him right. in person yet. Right. Um, haven't met Lee. And we're like, oh, you know, is he going to be wearing his hat? Like, what, <laughs> you know, what's going to go on here? Yeah. Um, and, the, and they came and we met him. Uh, all good. And then we, I think we played one song. We played a song called Dirt. And um, it was sort of, I was kind of like looking around at everyone. Starts playing. Cases like playing the shit out of the groove. I was feeling good, Case and Tom, you know, yep. locking it down. Yeah. Broad like nails the solo album perfect. I'm doing my thing. And then we finished that and Lee's like, My voice, that's bloody good, I reckon you got the job. And that was it. And there and then <laughs> one song. And now uh, yeah, and then he's like, Yeah, no, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, we don't need, don't need to do any more. We're like, Oh, we did it. No, just yeah. Better do one more. We're just, practicing like yeah, 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 yeah. Just just do one more. So we we did another one, and then um, and then we're like, no, no, that's all good. And now ten years have wow. gone by. That's amazing. Had some of the most fun, yeah, amazing, fantastic, bloody lovely times. Yeah, out yep. there doing that. So, and what a great way to not only promote what you guys do as a band and as songwriters and as a as a unit, but to also to go alongside someone who's been around for a long time, um, who has the respect and um, the the you know he's got got the crowd. He's he's got the oh man, it's been like so you know, as a learning curve. Like oh, that would have been 
Yeah, absolutely incredible. Such a great way for us to to go around, build our fan base, also learn the trade from, you know, the the guy at the top of the tree. Yeah. Um, And just so good to see now, to this day, you know, how much he's still fired up and very attention to detail, knows exactly what he wants to do. Like I've, you know, done a fair bit of writing with him now. And you know, normally the country writes kind of go like, you know, we're in a room together for three hours, we write it, we're pretty much going to finish it and yep. that'll, be, that'll be it. But Lee, that's not the case. Yeah, right. it's, it's, um, you know, you might do six hours and yep. might just scrap it, might get one thing from it, but he's, he knows exactly what he wants to cool. achieve. That's it's really good to see. And, you know, just the dedication to... Making his fans have see a great show, sure, and all that stuff. To this day, it's just killer. Yeah, you know, it's been so so good. Yeah, um, and we, we were pretty scared too because a lot of the guys in his previous band, um, we were kind of taken over for were the the big guns. You know, I was going to say, how did it feel coming at it from a band who like you, you've been playing for a while and you've all very good at your instruments, but never used click tracks, never used backing yeah. tracks. Or, it would, have been a, it would have been a scary transition going yeah. all of a sudden you've got like sold out theatres or massive festivals and things like that and you've got all these songs you've only played in a yeah. rehearsal room or maybe you've done a couple of rehearsals with like it would have been like some pretty big shoes to, to was, step into, yeah, right? really like, crazy. You know, like Laurie Minson who made me pedal, um, he was in the band, yep. uh, you know, and we're good mates with all these guys now. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the time it was probably... I would have been intimidating. Yeah, oh, very much so. Yeah. You know, guys would really respect, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first gig we did with Lee was the Denny Ute Muster. So you're looking at 16,000, 18,000 yep. people. A festival, you know. Yep. Um, no sound check. Just get out there and do it. Yeah. Um, so that was really a baptism of fire. <laughs> Nothing went too wrong, you yep. know. Um, got, kind of got through it all. Uh, at that time... Uh, everyone in Lee's band had to wear the headset mics. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Um, which Lee does. Uh, I don't know how he does that. Um, but, yeah, after that Denny gig, that that was scrapped because um, I think they weren't used to how much, like, Tom and Brode and everyone might run around and, yeah. you know, do all that stuff. So they've got all these roving overheads, you know, and it was just too hard to mix. Sure. You know, so. Yeah. Um, which, that's good. So I think that's kind of been a good thing to scrap that and just go back to the old... You know, yeah, dynamics and yeah. Well, you got to be in your comfort zone too. There's no point going out there and just saying yes to everything because you think it's going to be the best thing. Like you have to be comfortable in your own skin and your own environment to to perform at your best. Yeah, I think. And like I, if, if I, I strapped to a mic, I like, oh, oh yeah, bloody yeah, God. yeah. I'm glad that didn't <laughs> freeze up. <laughs> glad that didn't hang around for a while. Um, <clears throat> I love. I really have loved the role. As playing with Lee's, as Lee's band, um, you know I love it because we're side men. Yep. You know I, I love that. I just get there, to play, to play some guitar. Yep. You know, think about harmonies. think about playing guitar more. Yep. You know, sing a few harmonies, but it's, yep. it's more of a guitar focus. You know, yep. he wants the solos pretty much record. Okay. Um, you know, as they are, and there's a few you know improv bits and pieces here, but. Yep. Um, yeah, we, he really likes to keep it as like the record as okay. as you can. 
Um, I love it. Yeah, it's it's the most fun thing. Ever. Isn't it crazy? Because you know, obviously, I'm I'm in a similar sort of boat too. Because I I play my own songs, I write my own songs, and I I'm I feel like I'm at the center of the the band when we play live. Like I'm curating the sets. I'm kind of like it feels like you're in the spotlight all the time, and you don't get a chance to just yeah chill yeah. And, and look around and enjoy the moment. Whereas we've done a lot of acts where we get friends from the mainland come down and we'll learn their material. Same sort of yeah. bag, right? So yeah, yeah. you're accompanying and you're supporting this artist that you respect and look up to. But you also get to like sit in the in the wing a bit and just like groove and just like look at your bandmates and you just like focus on another aspect of your craft. And I think to be able to do that is such a gift, I think, to be able to yeah. like love it. Still perform, still do your thing, but like on a different level of engagement or a different yeah, level absolutely. of... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't... Uh, I, th- I think some of the best playing I've done live has been in that uh, that situation. Yeah. You know, where I haven't thought, I haven't been thinking, I don't know, I just it just flows because I'm more yeah. relaxed. Yeah. You know. It, I'm sure we all do the same thing. Like as soon as you know there's a muso in the crowd or something, <laughs> you know, that, that thing where... You, you just it just never seems to go. Yep. The fingers just don't seem to flow, you know. Yeah. Um, but I seem to get way more into a, a great headspace when I'm in that more of a sideman yep. role, role, you know. Yep. Just, you just pull things out like, well, that was cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> didn't, know, didn't know I could do that. If yeah. only... I don't know. Do you guys have like a pre-gig kind of like warm-up routine or or, nah, I mean, or a little head like do you had you put yourself in a zone or like I mean nothing nothing like playing was we, we we usually have a shot yeah and um do a bit of a huddle yeah and then we've um kind of been doing the Wolf of Wall Street um you know chest beating uh, little <laughs> thing yeah and that uh, I'm told there's some bit of science in that because apparently like when you know gorillas sort of like bash around their chest that like Makes an adrenaline spike or something. So, oh, right. So we do that. We get hyped up. Yep. And then go out. But uh, yeah, I mean, Casey used to do a lot of you know pat practice pad stuff on the drums. But yeah, um, if it's been a long time, um, you know, maybe you run a few of the harder things just under the fingers before we walk out there. But yeah, not really. And we never when. I can't remember. I think the last rehearsal we did was when Dave started playing drums for us, which was kind of early last year. Yep. Um, you know, we might do a rehearsal when we, you know, do a new album. Yep. Got a bunch of songs to learn. Yep. But for the most part, we're out so much. Like, we're just going to chuck in a song. We'll go, like, everyone prep this and we'll just run it at Soundcheck before yep. Friday. Yep. You know, and then hopefully it's right. But they're never right. They take a couple of gigs to bed in. But it's part of the beauty of it, I think. Yeah. Like if if you trust the people in your band um, and you trust your own judgment and you just go with the flow. Like, yeah. And sometimes you go, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not going to pull it out tonight. Like it doesn't feel right. Let's yeah. just stick to what we know. Whereas sometimes I love just putting something on the guys, even even without prep. Yeah. Just going, oh, hey, how's this song, guys? Follow me, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Got it's something magical about that. Yeah, I'd love to do more of that too. You know, like I always had a you know a bit of a self indulgent probably ambition that I would love to do like a blues EP of my own. Maybe not straight like blues, but probably more kind of somewhere like I've written a bunch of songs. I went through a little phase a few years ago where I wrote a bunch of kind of 
the closest thing I would probably say would be like Creedence Clearwater Revival yep. style things. Like where, a swampy southern kind yeah, of... Yeah, and then that often they'd start with the chorus. Sure. You know, and they'd be those sort of forms. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of... This, I, I think there's some good stuff in there, but like that that has room for a lot of playing and jamming. And yeah. I'd love to do something with that yep. someday, you yep. know, um, yeah. just to, you know, satisfy my... Guitar player. <laughs> yeah. It's good, it's good to have different projects and different things on the go. Like I'm sure that the outfit you're in now with the, with the Wolf Brothers, like it's it's a thing, and it sort of people expect a certain thing as well. Like it'd be hard, I imagine, to write 100 percent stream of consciousness and then go, "This song's going to be." Whereas, like, you hear someone like Neil Young who just like confuses you every time he brings out a record. It's like, mm. wow, he must be really pushing his. Yeah. Fans, but I, I, I think as a, as a writer or as a, someone who likes to write music and likes so many styles of music, I'm, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. Like it's nice to just indulge yourself in that way yeah. sometimes. Go and do, play some Warrant. Yeah. Play your. Yeah, that'd be credence. cool. That'd be cool just to do a. You know, just like a little cover band gig at yeah. the local pub and yeah. go. Let's just. So, um, I mean, we were concerned when we did Kids on Cassette that that was kind of a bit of a departure. You know, from what we'd done, like definitely yeah. went a little bit more pop. Yeah. You know, um, but that was kind of what we were listening to at the time. We really got into that show, Stranger Things, right. and a lot of the 80s sounds and stuff from that. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that happening in pop then and now. And, yeah. Um, I really love this band called The Midnight. Okay. Who like a, um, uh, what is it? It's the, I think the genre is called Retro Wave. Or something okay. like that. So it's like stuff that sounds like it's from the eighties, but it's made now. Wasn't there a John Mayer record in that same sort of vibe? Kind of like that, but this is more like synths, right? Rather than um, that, that band synths has got an extreme, extremely awesome guitarist, right? Like um, doing that sort of like wicked those chorusy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like arpeggiated kind of beautiful, yeah. Like right, yeah. So they're a cool, very cool band, and also you can really shred as well. So yeah. I think they've they've got like a sax player and him now. So look out, that's very cool. <laughs> um, but Midnight. they were a big influence when we were doing that. So, but I'm about to do release our new record. Um, well, no, we're not. We're about to release our new single, which will eventually be cool um, record. So uh, live in the dream. It's called yeah. And uh, we've definitely gone back to our country. It's probably the most country album we've done. I've, I was talking to Tom about it when we were doing our, our Beatles season yeah. st- stuff, how he's saying that it was a great learning experience and and development of the band, but I think he was saying how he'd love to just get back to that simple yeah. dudes in a room playing songs that are close to their, close to your heart that are... Probably more nostalgic, almost in their essence. As yeah, to- um, we sort of, and we we changed. We'd been working with Matt Fell for the last couple of records, um, who's amazing. Who's now moved down to Tassie. We probably should have him on the podcast. Actually, oh uh, yeah, I, I've hit him up, and he's like, I don't know anything about guitar. Yeah. Like, Perfect. <laughs> no, it'd be good. it'd be good. It'd be excellent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we had some great stuff with Matt, um, and then we thought with well, this one. Uh, I've wanted to do something with Rod McCormack for quite a while and we worked together on the Lee Koenigan movie that's just come out in the last year. Right. And, man, that guy is 
like one of the, like one of almost the best muso like I've ever yep. seen. You yep. know, um, it's just you know, there's certain people like you're around, you're like far out. You've just you've just been given. You've worked obviously bloody hard, but yeah, they've got something going on that's. Yeah. He's untapped some sort of like natural. Yeah, yeah. Wraith this was right from Thirsty Mercs, the other guy, like yes. that to like just. Oh, he's incredible, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we, they did a gig at Longley with us and um, they got us up to do uh, Rip Rip Woodship Turn Into Paper. Right. John Williamson coming, like, okay. Yeah, because they, they covered it on. on yeah, and they did like a 251 thing in it and, yeah. you know, jazzed it up a bit, but. Yeah. Just like standing next to him, like playing that on the piano, like. God, <laughs> good God. Like yeah. you are just another level, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. But anyway, yeah, Rod, um, incredible. Like he's done, you know, a lot of huge, huge stuff in Australian country. Um, I've, you know, since Australian country has been a thing, you know. Um, he was in, like, I think he's played on every single Kernigan record. Um, you know, he was in the band for the early years. Um, yeah, done a bunch of stuff. He's got a great, amazing studio on the Central yep. Coast. Yeah, um, incredible mics, incredible gear, incredible guitars, and just. Uh, but what I really wanted, I thought we'd, you know, I thought it would be a good combo in in getting, you know, and honestly, it's, it's I've never had an easier record that we've made. Great, um, and. Despite like some real challenges, we all got COVID the day we got there. Right. Uh, you know, we, we were being so careful, like with masks and gloves and whatever. You know, we're like, God, we've got two weeks. We've got to make this. Is the only time we've got. You know, don't get sick. And we get in there one day, and yeah. old Tom's sitting there. He's like, oh, 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 I just don't, I just don't feel feel right. <laughs> and like, oh no. So he goes out the out to the kitchen, does a does the old rat, and then he comes back, you know, freaking out, thinking he's you know wrecked the whole thing. And uh, Rod's like, "No, look, it's fine. I'm happy. We're all going to get it now. We've all been sitting in the control room together. Here. Yeah, yeah, we're all going to get it. I'm happy to isolate here with you guys. Um, we'll get Gina, uh, Gina Jeffries, his wife, to you know go to the Kmart and yep. Purity or uh, Purity Woolworths and um, you know get us some stuff and yep. so Gina went down and, and you know bought some some track pants and things like yep. that and, <laughs> and we just stayed in the, some got some air air beds oh yeah and uh, so I was sleeping in the amp booth Tom was in the <laughs> Tom was in the vocal booth and, and Rod was out in the kitchen and man work he just lives and breathes music that man like. Be like midnight, and I'd be like, "Yeah, well, I'm probably gonna go to bed, I reckon, Rod." Yeah, mate. Yeah, no worries. I'll just do a few more things, and then, you know, an hour later, you'd see the light go off, and then I'd be out cold, and I'd wake up, and be like eight o'clock, and the lights back on in the control room, and he's there and on headphones, probably been going for like two hours. Wow. And I'm like, wow, you're machine. You are a machine. Um, Especially so yeah. like. You know, trying to survive with a virus going through your body. Yeah, and so all the vocals, <laughs> all the vocals on it, I had COVID for. Wow! And it didn't really like I can tell. Okay. Um, I can tell a little bit, but it was never enough to be like, oh no, we got to do that all again. Yeah, right. You know, um, maybe a little, maybe gave me a little bit of a husky 
yep. vibe, you know, which, yep. which is pretty cool. So, but the fact that you guys like were sleeping in the studio, oh, yeah. like you'd wake up and be like staring at like some old tweed amps or yeah. just like it's in your face, like you're sleeping in amongst like it's there'd be a, obviously not ideal to get COVID while you're there, but to like it's a pretty cool way to actually look at it now, looking back, going, you know what, that was. Good way to do it. Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was like <laughs> you don't really get to do that sort of stuff every now and again. Like, you know, yeah. you don't get to lock down in a thing and just live and breathe making a record. Like, when do you ever get to do that? Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's always life's other commitments, but we were forced to, you know, yeah. it's really cool. Um, I think Rod actually loves it. Yeah, right. <laughs> secretly. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, and then we we're, we're a bit worried about, you know, um, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure if we're meant to be doing this, but or in there now you just do whatever you want, so it doesn't really yep. matter. So, yeah, we weren't, we weren't going out anywhere, obviously. We just locked down the studio, but yeah, yep. we're sitting there, you know, wipe down the mics afterwards. Yeah, everyone would, you know, get fevers, and yeah, and yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, you're going through the fever day, <laughs> yeah, and then the next day, someone else, and yeah, it's pretty wild, but um, got it done, and we're yeah, just absolutely stoked with it. Um, yeah, definitely a few, a lot more country. Rod's got. Beautiful guitars and instruments, and got Rod playing a lot on it too, like cool. banjo. Great, um, you know, he's got some fantastic acoustics and great. And that's kind of where I got my interest in uh, rooms now and good sounding rooms. Like Rod built that studio himself, right. right? And you know, there's not a, a parallel wall in the entire building. And I think he's yep. he's telling me his father-in-law built it or something. And there was just constantly like, Are you sure? Are you sure this is right? Like, shouldn't this be straight? But um, yeah, amazing place. So yeah, right. I'd really, s- just just like often, I'd be so Rod and I co-produced it, and I'd I'd the amount of times I'd go to say something, and then Rod would just be already doing it. Great. Yeah. So we really were on the exact same page. Very cool. I was I'm can't wait to yep. get it out and. Yeah, get, playing them live, you know. Have you got a release date? We don't. Uh, we've got a release date on the single, uh, which will be October twenty eight. Okay. But, um, cool. And the, but yeah, it's, it'd be interesting this record because since the last one, things have changed so much. Like TikTok is now like the driving force. Yeah. You know, it was a was sort of pretty big when we did the last one, but you know, and it's uh, I don't think that's a great thing, but that's kind of. What's happening? Do you think yeah. it's going to affect the band and the and the and your fans? Yeah, like that kind of. Well, look, we're not going <clears> to <throat> be. Media? We're not going to. You see what people do on there to you know. They, the trend seems to be like the songs already recorded, fully produced, and everything. Obviously, you see there's heaps, yeah. and they're like, "Hey, I think I just wrote this um, song of you know summer. What do you what do you think? Check it out. Should I should we record this, release it? And it's like. Fully mastered, yeah, you know, yeah. fully done, and the people are like, "Wow, yeah!" And then, and then you, then they go on, and the sense is, I mean, we're not going to do that. That's not us. Um, if people want to do that, it's good on, you know, it's obviously working. But um, we, I think we'll just do it in our own way. Okay, we're working that out, what that way is. Right. But, but it is interesting. I mean, I don't know that music videos are going to be such a thing anymore. Yeah. Right. You know. Um, which sucks too because that's another whole great part of the art form. Yeah. That that's probably going to go because we can just watch these 
stupid little videos on their phone. And know. the aspect ratio is wrong for, for yeah. watching it on a television or a computer too because if it's built for a device that's going to be upright yep. instead of like a nice big wide screen. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Um, do you guys have a presence on there already? A like, little bit, um, you know. But not it's it's kind of hard because it is guys you know the stuff that seems to do well is you know really you know attractive people you know looking longingly into the camera and you know <laughs> yeah uh, you know Tom and I are going to be doing that clearly you know um, yeah well I mean maybe but yeah, yeah. Well, um so we've got to find our own thing but uh, look the the again it's the same thing you know the potential for something to go viral or whatever you know and yeah. then. Yeah, you got a bunch of new fans. How much it converts, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the that's the thing. Like, and how long would that? I don't know that I've discovered either. anyone on TikTok. No, really. I definitely. Well, I don't I do TikTok. I, I'm one. That's one thing I'm like never <laughs> going yeah. near. When I say TikTok, I'm, I also mean you know Insta um, Insta Reels, which is right. You know, they've tried to do TikTok and, okay. and and Facebook are doing the same thing. They're all sure going grabs. that way. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not really pictures so much anymore. It's yeah, you know, you put up a picture and you know two people see it. That that's the thing I really really find very frustrating with social media is, you know, we've worked on I think we've got nearly hundred thousand followers on Facebook. Okay, you know, they've built up over the years and that's that's pretty solid. But yeah. you, you try and tell your Facebook followers there's a gig on, they don't know because they're not shown. Yeah, as soon as you say show or gig or album or product, they just go like, no, we're shutting this down. you got to pay us to get the reach. Yeah, boost the post. Yeah. Yep, yep. You know, and, and then it's so frustrating when you're touring because you go to town like, it happened the other week. We played in Adelaide, got home day after, and when are you coming to Adelaide? Like literally <laughs> have just got yeah. home from Adelaide yeah. and we did a sponsored post that, should have targeted 100Ks around Adelaide. You know? Yeah, right. How, how did that not hit you? Who's it going to if yeah. it's not going to you? Yeah. If you're a fan of the band. Yeah. Anyway, but... Uh, yeah, oh, it's a, such a frustrating uh, part of the industry that we just can't ignore. Yeah. Um, then again, there's some really cool stuff. Like I've seen a lot of... I, had, I said I didn't discover anyone... That's not totally true. There's definitely some guys on Insta and on TikTok that, uh, you know, guitarists, that, like, it's a bluegrass guy. I, I can't remember his name, but he's, he's someone I follow. And I was like, yep. oh, that's really cool. And he just yep. puts up little, you know, minute things of him just playing a lot of fast stuff on acoustic. Yep. And it's like, that's really yep. good. Another guy that did it really well was, uh, you know, his first name is Matthias. And he does that. Bendy, slidey thing. You know, that sort of that, I don't know how they do it, but it's like, it kind of seems to be like a technique that's come out in the last couple of years. I think I know what you're talking kinda about. Kind of like yeah. a Jeff Becky type yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, they yeah. seem to like move the whole guitar. It's like a slide bend. Yeah. It's, I don't know um, what they're doing. Yeah. What's his name? So Landreth cool. um, from Brothers Landreth. I know that he does a bit of that. And there's this sort of like baritone. Um, on a normal scale guitar sort of thing going on, like Ariel Paulson so is like, doing a bit of that. I don't know how that, it's just it's just a style of I think bending, and it's just kind of I, like I'd like wish I had an example I could just 
<laughs> tell you or show you, but I kind of be like, I've just remember I hear it a bit on Instagram, and usually yeah, that right. um, the Mateus guy he does a you may have seen it as a big really viral video. He's playing Crowded House, uh, Don't Dream It's Over as like a chord right. solo. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Amazing, yeah. I'll have to look at that. So I think there, there probably is good players that... Oh, there's you know, definitely some great but stuff. There's a lot of shit too that, like, again, people are attractive, you know, <laughs> just looking <laughs> lovingly into the yeah. lens and, yeah. you know, all the old, you know, the old uh, old guys and the guitar just going like, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the way you played Living on a Prayer side. So. <laughs> I've been playing that oh, for 50 years. Mate, beautiful, oh, mate, beautiful. Can't do that. <laughs> yeah, but, no, uh, look, yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, cool, man. Well, I reckon we should wrap it up. No worries. I look forward to hearing the new record and um, I'm sure you guys have got lots more shows coming up. Yeah, so. always somewhere, mate. We've got uh, this this weekend off but uh, and then we're back into it all around the place. We've got a couple of shows in Taz in November. Our last show with, with Kernigan uh, down at Tolosa Park. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah we're, we're stepping back after 10 years so we okay. can go and do our own thing more. Yep, yep. Um, You know, still, obviously, we love love doing it, but yeah, you, know, it, you can't be two places at once is, is the main thing. Absolutely. There's only so. one Saturday a week. Yep, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. So... Cool, time, man. Time's sort of come, but yeah, yeah. No, we'll um, keep doing it. It's been really fun. Really appreciate Excellent. having me on. No worries, Nick. Thanks for having us, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening, folks, to another episode of Say It With Guitars. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it around to your mates, leave a good review, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.